Hello, everyone. We are the Lady Lorians. Welcome to our first episode of our podcast. Um, in total, we have um, six and a half Lady Lorians. Um, today, we are joined by four of us. Um, we have Rose and Kath that are not here today, but they will be coming up in the next episodes. So they will get their introduction um, when they come in, which is really exciting. However, today we have us four. Um, before we start into our lovely Mandalorian episode uh, review and opinions, um, we're going to talk about ourselves just a quick second so you know who we are. Um, first of all, we all joined together through um, Twitter, Star Wars Twitter, specifically the Mandalorian. Um, we all met in March during quarantine because we all had a group chat that someone in here made. I still don't know who made it. I don't know how I got in there, but it happened. And then we started Zooming every single night and we still Zoom a lot and talk about Star Wars and become really close friends, best friends in my opinion. But um, I'll go first in who I am. I am Dodge. I grew up in a Star Wars family. Um, I knew a lot about Star Wars, but I didn't really have a love for it on my own until The Mandalorian came out. And then I became obsessed with it and went back and rewatched everything and kind of fell in love with Star Wars all over again. So that's kind of my history on Star Wars. Um, Izzy, your turn. Um, hi, I'm Izzy. Um, I actually didn't get into Star Wars until this past December when um, Rise of Skywalker came out and I kind of just watched everything in order and then like I watched Rise of Skywalker and is that what it's called? Rise of Skywalker? Yes! <laughs> oh, you got it. Hi, um, I'm Izzy, and I actually didn't get into Star Wars until this past December when Rise of Skywalker came out, and I pretty much just watched, like, all the movies leading up to it, and watched, like, Clone Wars, and then I watched Mando, and I completely fell in love, and pretty much, I was already, like, on Twitter, and so I joined, like, Star Wars Twitter, and that's time at them, obviously, and yeah, um, Kenzie? Hi, I'm Kenzie. Um, so I grew up a pretty casual Star Wars fan. I mean, I definitely remember watching like A New Hope with my dad when I was like five or six. Um, and obviously like watched the movies as a kid, had seen Clone Wars on TV because um, I'm 20. So like when Clone Wars was coming out on TV, I was growing up. So it was just always there, but I was never like a huge fan. I didn't follow it like super intensely. Um, however, when I was in high school, the sequel started coming out. And I really connected with the characters in, in the sequels, especially like Kylo Ren and Ben Solo. Um, and then when Rise of Skywalker came out back in December, um, you could say I had some strong opinions about it. And that really got me into it because I really like decided to seek out a place where I could talk about those things. And that's how I ended up on Twitter and how I met these lovely ladies. And so, Ruthie, do you want to talk about who you are? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, like Kenzie said, my name is Ruthie. And uh, I kind of grew up a Star Wars fan in the shadow of my dad and my brother. Because when my older brother was in grade school, he had a really big Star Wars phase and binged all the movies with my dad. And, you know, I would just kind of like linger in the living room and watch them. But I was really little and I didn't have much understanding of what was going on. Um, and The Mandalorian came out in November. I binged it all in December and I felt very comfortable getting back into Star Wars because, you know, there, it was a completely separate entity and I wasn't too intimidated. And then um, after I finished The Mandalorian, I went back and watched every single movie and really honed in and learned what I could. And I've since been reading a lot, watching a lot more. And um, yeah, I've learned a lot, but I still have a long way to go. And I'm very glad that my love for Star Wars has brought me together with my best friends and so many amazing people and opportunities. And yeah, I'm super grateful for it. 
Um, and before we delve into our conversation about chapter nine of The Mandalorian, uh, we just wanted to say a shout out to um, our friends at the Rex and Around show, specifically our friend Michael Canavo for um, helping us to make this podcast possible and um, inspiring us and supporting us in what we do. Um, we appreciate you guys a lot. And um, yeah, we love how welcoming you are of young, you know, go-getters in the fandom. So thank you for your support. <laughs> yes, thank um, you. Go-getters. Yes. Go-getter Greg. Go-getter Oh my Greg. gosh. Perfect. Oh, I didn't even no. think of that. Oh okay, God. so on that note, um, let's transition into our our conversation about chapter nine. The goal of this first episode is just kind of to break down the events of the episode, um, give some opinions, reactions on what happened, and then make some predictions for the remainder of this season. So let's start off at the beginning of the episode, opening reactions, opening thoughts. Who wants to take the mic? Um. I definitely want to point out like the callback to chapter one with um, how chapter one starts with like a bar fight. And then we see that right at the beginning of chapter nine, it's very much like a callback, like season premiere type thing. So that was really cool to like be like reintroduced to the show in the exact same way we got introduced to it to begin with. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it was very cool seeing kind of the pretty much the same fight um kind of reference to it but this time we had baby Yoda and his response to having the child with him and kicking the child mid-fight because that's what you do as a father um and how he reacted when people when what's his face the cyclone someone's got to help me on this one or garage I think yes when he like mentions the child and he was like yeah that's my son don't touch him or else I'll kill you I loved that what a character development scene. One of the other things we had already talked about before, um, just on one of our uh, casual phone calls, was how much we loved the graffiti at the beginning of chapter one and just the set design. Um, we found the urban setting to be really, really cool. And um, yeah, we liked finding the Easter eggs and the graffiti. Like there was a stormtrooper, there was a C-3PO. I think there was some Arabesh in graffiti too. So yeah, just those like little elements of the production design and stuff we found to be really, really interesting. Yes, definitely. And I think we've only seen that in the Clone Wars very little amount of times, but I don't think we have seen that in like a live action yet. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I definitely think, too, seeing, like, graffiti arabesque was really cool um, because I know in Star Wars, like, they don't write. Like, they have, like, typed out language, but, like, they never write things down. Like, you've never seen a pen and paper in Star Wars. Um, so, like, I have never even thought about, do people even know how to write? But obviously, they graffitied it, so they must know how to write a little. Yeah, I think that there's been, like, I mean, there's so much, there's so many world building elements in the first chapter of this season and um, just so many little things through the Mandalorian as a series that we learn about the cultures in Star Wars and, <laughs> you know, about the different communities and peoples. And that's one of the things that I really love about the show. Yeah, definitely. I love how we're going and visiting different planets a lot of course we go and see planets in the movies but I like how the Mandalorian it seems like we're going to like pretty much a different planet every episode which I think is really cool and of course in this episode we go to good old Tatooine um of course because everyone goes to Tatooine um but we go there and we have a very interesting story that's happening on Tatooine this time but first, we have a reunion on Tatooine um, with Peli and her droids and her shop. Um, and uh, Kinsey or Izzy, did you want to say something about 
um, Din's relation to the droids this time around versus the way he related to them in season one? He definitely, like, he went from being, like, no droids, none at all, hating them, killing IG-11 to letting the droids work on his ship. We love to see it. We love to see the character development. We love to see it. Yeah, it was definitely a big growth moment for him. Um, just, like, getting to see that shift in him. It might have been small, but it definitely, like, showed through how much he grew from the beginning. Absolutely. Um, one thing I did find odd about the interaction with Pelly though, is that in her conversation with Den, she uses the phrase, um, thank the force. And we were, the Lady Lorians were struggling to come up with a time where we've heard that um, in Star Wars or seen it in any literature. And if we have, it's been very few and far between um, those instances. Uh, so yeah, that's that was just something that was kind of new to our ears. We found it kind of odd that she didn't use the phrase, thank the maker. Um, and, you know, we're curious as to why Favreau included that in, you know, the script, because it kind of reestablishes the idea of, you know, the force being able to like replace the concept of, you know, a god, like in conversation and in sentence structure um, and uh, reintroduced and us as the audience to the more spiritual understanding of the force. And yeah, I found that interesting. Yeah, I also found it. So like we talk in the first season, Din is learning about the child and we learn about the Jedi. He learns about the Jedi for the first time. And that's like, it's really weird because we never, I don't, he doesn't know about the force. Cause if he knew about the force, I feel like he would be able to connect the dots with the child, but he doesn't. So I wonder when he hears that, like, is it just like, he just assumes like what it is and he like, doesn't really know about it. It's very interesting that he like, doesn't no i definitely don't think it's a coincidence that uh john favreau and dave filoni included that in like her sentence like i mean star wars is anything a coincidence um so i definitely think that like is gonna be based or like that is just like a little foreshadowing to like din learning more about the force throughout the season i also think that like obviously like Din didn't like he wasn't like born on Mandalore and he was a foundling but I don't think that like they taught anything about Jedi and like the force and stuff like that like Mandalorians like taught anything about it because that those are like their enemies so like they obviously don't like teach like oh this is what the force is blah 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 because there aren't really any like force sensitive Mandalorian except think a few I don't know if those were just like I don't know if they're canon though I'm not like don't quote me on that wait are you talking about Mandalorian Jedi yeah I mean there's yeah there's Paz Vizsla um and House Vizsla and everything which is kind of uh you know his whole arc and everything is George Lucas's brainchild because there's this whole thing with the author Karen Travis who wrote a lot of books about you know Mandalore and the Mandalorians and um she was one of the you know main writers and creators that was pushing the idea that the Mandalorians clash with the Jedi and have conflict with them and she was also pushing the agenda that you know, the Jedis aren't always our protagonists and our heroes and that there are flaws to Jedi culture. And um, uh, Glukish uh, <laughs> was not the biggest fan of that because, you know, the Jedi are his brain children. They're the basis of Star Wars. And so, um, you know, with Clone Wars and everything, we see the Mandalorians take like a pacifist stance and... Um, you know, it's also odd now that the Mandalorians that were previously marked by like a helmet that was passed down through generations are marked by a saber. 
And, you know, it's not a lightsaber technically, but, you know, the fact that they, they're now attached to a traditionally Jedi associated weapon. Yeah, it's just. I definitely do like that, like, concept of exploring, like, Jedi's as not always being, like, the hero, like, that we are seeing in Mandalorian, that we had seen in Clone Wars, that we even saw, like, explored a little bit in The Last Jedi, like, the idea that, because honestly, up until this point, or, like, these different points in Star Wars story, like, we had very much only seen Star Wars from the viewpoint of the Jedi always being the heroes, um, and not really exploring like what it looks like to be on the opposite side of that. Not even in terms of like being the bad guy necessarily, like not being a Sith, but just talking about like the Mandalorians take on it and how they view the Jedi in a negative light, even though they're not directly opposing them. Mm -hmm. I feel like unfortunately they're Favreau and Filoni, you know, being so connected to the Clone Wars, we're probably not going to delve into, you know, the Mandalorian's, like, war-torn past with the Jedi. And that kind of, I mean, I don't know, obviously, we very well could, but I don't expect that. And it disappoints me um, because it would be interesting to see the Jedi in a different light and through the eyes of you know, a people who were in conflict with them that weren't the Sith. Yeah, and definitely. The Force, you know? Yeah. Like, even, well, in the last in the last season of the Clone Wars, we see this kind of a lot, though, but we do see, like, the Jedi um, not being our favorite characters, to be honest. Like, definitely making some decisions that you wouldn't see or think that you would see from a Jedi at that point. So I feel like Clone Wars... Um, definitely had moments like that it's going to be interesting to see if they transfer that into the Mandalorian maybe like in his walk with with the child like maybe he meets Ahsoka obviously he's going to meet Ahsoka at some time you know rip but I love her but (laughs) um we're gonna see her but I wonder if we're gonna see like not necessarily like a Sith but someone that's like in between that knows the ways of the force but Ahsoka is kind of like that she's technically not a Jedi but like kind of that in between and see like what Din's reaction is going to be with and the child and stuff but anyways tea exciting season two let's go um but so afterwards Din oh can we talk about the droid that's important oh R5 yes oh Literally, the amount of Easter eggs that they have put in just this first episode, like, I'm excited for the rest of them because they are bringing back, like, other characters, so I'm excited to see what else they'll, like, bring back and pull from other movies and stuff like that to, like, just, like, tie everything, like, with a nice bow on top. I feel like that's just, like, icing on the cake is, like, all the little Easter eggs from, like, past things. Um, I don't know how we managed to like skip this in our introduction of the episode, but I think it is important to note that the reason Din got into the bar fight and the reason he's on Tatooine is because he is searching for another Mandalorian to help him on his journey with (laughs) finding out who Baby Yoda's family is or the child's family. I'm going to get skinned for saying Baby Yoda. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Helping find out who the child's family is. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> that brings us to our to potential to to our favorite village ever because it has our one of our favorite men ever the space and cowboy the space cowboy um our one and only Cobb Vanth Cobb Vanth okay what a man. but like let's start with like how much did you think Boba was about to walk through those doors because like i definitely thought that that's what we were about to see yeah he was very too skinny to be boba i was like wait a second (laughs) this man is (laughs) i forgot what i was saying cool Uh 
basically he's too skinny to be boba and at that moment i really thought we were about to get scammed because this whole time we were like oh my gosh boba's coming this is gonna be epic all this stuff as soon as that man walked through those doors we all were like wow disney really strung us along for this one they knew that we were into this thing and they strung us along and here we have this skinny little salt and pepper hair man i will admit he's very pretty but he's not boba and we all I'm pretty sure we all were like, okay, well, never mind about that. Yeah. I didn't think they were going to reveal Boba right away because we opened the episode with the bar fight. And that was something really big that they chose to include in the trailers and stuff, um, you know, in a scene that was jam packed with a lot of action and to have opened the episode with that and then gone minutes later into a big reveal that would have been a lot at once so when he walked in I was like I was skeptical right away I was like they're not gonna put you know these two big moments back to back in the pilot episode because I think that the purpose of this episode was more to reestablish character you know get everybody excited again and you know there weren't gonna be as many bombs yeah definitely I feel like we all just have this fear that season two is going to be like the Boba Fett and Ahsoka show and featuring Din Djarin and the child occasionally so I feel like when he first walked in or like when before when we were thinking about this we're like wow like they are really getting these characters in really fast and we're completely skipping the Din Djarin storyline. And so I feel like that was very scary at first, but we didn't. We have Mr. Cobb Vanth walking in like a model, showing us his beautiful stolen boba armor. Amazing. Yeah. He looks like I mean, he's I- straight out of a Gillette commercial. For he real. Is. Well, I certainly I I had read about like the different actors who were going to be in season two, but I hadn't really put the pieces together of who was being who. So I honestly didn't know what to expect under the helmet. (laughs) Um, I think by all of our reactions, when that moment happened, (laughs) none of us really did. We were pleasantly surprised though. Yes. Um, Now would be a good time to insert the clip of us reacting to (laughs) Cobb Vance's face reveal. Oh, why? Oh, he's hot. Oh, he's hot. Oh, my God. (laughs) Who is that? Who is that? Okay, yeah. yeah, So, so that was that. Uh, You could tell Um, that (laughs) we're we're pretty infatuated with the space cowboy. Um, But, Dodge, I wanted to build off something you said really quickly about being concerned that this season is going to turn into the boba and ahsoka season because one of the things i really loved about mando from the start was that it introduces us to so many ordinary people in the star wars universe and you know like you said at the beginning of our episode like you know mando travels to so many different planets and you know makes so many connections And we're not interacting with Jedi and Sith at this point. You know, we're interacting with Omura's village and, you know, her daughter. And then, you know, in this episode, which we're about to get to in a second, you know, we get to see this really intimate portrayal of the Tuscans and stuff like that. And I think that that's so cool. And, you know, it, yeah, I don't know. It helps what we love. It's a world building tactic um and it's much easier for us to relate to ordinary people you know and common folk (laughs) than it is for us (laughs) to relate to characters that have supernatural abilities and stuff and you know we can just put ourselves into the shoes of somebody walking on Tatooine or you know Bespin or wherever you know this season is gonna take Din and so if the season becomes focused on Jedi and Sith, I'm actually going to be a little disappointed. Definitely. And what I love about this episode is that we see our first 
um, canon Star Wars cosplayer, Cobb Vanth, walking in as the iconic Boba Fett. And I, my favorite part of like this whole, like pretty much this whole episode is when he walks in and Din's like, where is the rest of your armor? First of all, he goes and picks up the drinks and Din's like, um, we can't drink. Like, what are you doing? And then he goes to sit down and he takes off the helmet and Din literally is just standing there and he's like, <laughs> for a fat minute. And I, that's literally the first time I will bet money. That's the first time Din has ever seen someone in the Mandalorian armor take off his helmet. And that's when he knew that he was not a Mandalorian. And that will also, hopefully, we'll see how he learns about different creeds of Mandalorians that do take off their helmets. But I feel like that was that just shows just like how disrespectful it is and how wrong it is in his opinion and the whole like storyline of the episode was him getting that armor from him because of like how disrespectful it was well even like boba fett isn't technically a real mandalorian like yes because Django fett wasn't a real mandalorian he stole his armor from a different mandalorian and i feel like that's going to be like possibly a whole different thing like like that will be something completely different because Everybody just thinks like, oh, Boba's a Mandalorian, Django was a Mandalorian, when that's not the case. They were fake Mandalorian, which it hurts me to say it, but <laughs> the truth. And um, I feel like with Mando, we definitely see a different side of like the Mandalorian, because I do believe that in Clone Wars, the Mandalorian did take their helmets off. Mm-hmm. Do not quote me on that. Some of them Yeah, did. Yeah, so... Um... In the Clone Wars, we see Death Watch, which is um, a different like clan from the Mandal- like of the Mandalorian people who do take off their helmets. Um, which will also, I think, we will be seeing get explored in this season. Um, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not because they did release a lot of who is going to be in this season a while ago. But Bo Katine Kreese is going to be in this season, and she. Um, is was like one of the leaders of death watch in the clone wars so we will see that explored um as well with mandalorians who take their helmets off um so that will be interesting to see how din reacts to more people explaining to him like there are different ways to be a mandalorian essentially i also wonder kinsey like what the fact that din's clan doesn't take off their helmets like says about their stance as like warriors or pacifists because death watch is like you know this subclass of mandalorians who's really attached to their you know warrior you know rough past and then you know some of the other mandalorians we see in the clone wars are very much pacifists so like in the face of conflict i wonder where Din's clan, you know, kind of stands. Because yeah, it's like, will... you know, if the more rough and tumble Mandalorians who are really attached to the warrior identity are the ones who are safe enough taking off their helmets and kind of, you know, rejecting some of these really strict, you know, regulations and stuff, it's like, what what does that say about Din's people? Yeah, for sure. That will be um, an interesting thing that hopefully they explore this season. We're not sure, but I would love to see more of that. Yeah, we have a lot of seasons coming up. So hopefully by the time the 15 seasons are over, we're going to figure out who Din Djarin is instead of what happened to Boba Fett and Ahsoka and et cetera, et cetera characters. Um kind of backtracking yes thought i saw something like a while back that like in the scenes where like the mandalorian come and rescue like din when he was a child i thought somebody pointed out that the symbol on their armor was the death watch symbol yeah yeah Yeah. i remember seeing that i missed that yeah yeah i i mean when he's talking about his past he's talking about that he was raised in the training corps or the 
warrior's corpse something like that he was raised that's was fighting odd. fighting corpse it's one of those i'm blanking at the moment but he was raised as a fighter that's why he's like so good at his job that's and so weird now- that he was rescued you know potentially by death watch mandalorians but you know he's still so staunch and not taking off his helmet you know, because in the Clone Wars, we see the Death Watch Mandalorians. I'm not fully sure on the timeline of, like, when Din was rescued versus, like, when the Siege of Mandalore happened. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if that was before or after he was, like, rescued by the Mandalorians. So, I'm assuming it was after, based on, like, how old Din is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that might be why he, like, was technically rescued by death watch we think um however he was raised in a different clan because when the siege happened he probably ended up with the clan that he's with now yeah Hopefully all right we have a lot out. more of this episode to get through yeah so yes. we're just so excited about the mandalorian <laughs> let's continue um din walks into the cantina finds um mr salt and pepper leaves his child on a speeder because that's what fathers do the child child walks in looking adorable star of the show din forces Cobb to give up his armor and then of course our lovely um scarlet pit comes out the dragon and then you know din gets to Kill Rock. the dragon. The what? The Alaskan worm. What's its name? It's something. They called it uh, a crate dragon. There we go. Crate dragon. There we go. The crate dragon comes Who in. Lives in the Sarlacc pit. Mm, love to see it. Well, I it doesn't <laughs> live in the Sarlacc pit. Does it? Well, he was. Well, what the? Yeah, because when uh, they're like, you know, when Cobb's like. I've lived on Tatooine my whole life. There's no such thing as an empty Sarlacc pit. And because they found the crate dragon inside. The Again, well, it it was 3 a.m. So, dude. <laughs> I don't know. We're just going to. Cool. Was it a we'll Sarlacc go... pit? I, well, it, I think the Sarlacc pit is the name of the pit itself. That's yeah, yeah, I know. Didn't Din say not if the dragon eats it? Yeah, Din said not if the, yeah. There's no such thing as an empty Sarlacc pit unless you eat the Sarlacc. So the implication was that the crate dragon like devoured the Sarlacc and took over the Sarlacc pit. Anyway. Interesting. The fact that I just learned that, that's interesting. Once again, 3am watching The Mandalorian. Yes. Really quickly before we start talking about attacking the crate dragon um can we just talk about the parallels between this chapter and like an old american western film yeah i found that to be really cool and like major props to john to tapping back into the more like authentic you know rustic side of star wars i thought that was really cool um what did you guys think about that yeah, I for sure liked it. It definitely, I think one of my biggest fears for this season is that it, like, strays away from, like, the feeling of the first season. Um, so I definitely think the first episode kept, like, that very, like, Western, different than, star- like, traditional Star Wars has been. Because I think, obviously, the movies have, like, the um, the Skywalker Saga movies have a very specific feeling to them that the Mandalorian really strayed from and I really enjoyed that first season so um I think season two so far is doing a very good job of keeping that western feel yeah I also I noticed that there was an extra on uh, Mos Pelgo that was almost dressed like Leia mm-hmm. and her hair was very similar too did you guys notice that yeah yeah i found that really weird because it's like her outfit looks so similar to leia's and it's like you know i was thinking isn't there like you know established clothing on different 
planets, you know, in different systems and stuff. And it was like, you know, this Alderaan outfit. What you doing on Tatooine? Yeah, like, that was burn That was definitely an Easter egg. Like, and when they so when they're showing all the villagers going and running from it, they the time period that they show her is longer than any other one. So it's obviously a reference to Miss Leia herself, which I loved to be honest. I wonder mm-hmm. how she got the outfit, but you know, I'm here. Maybe for it. after you know we took the empire down, Miss Leia became a fashion icon, and all mm-hmm. the little girls on Tatooine wanted to look like and Leia Organa. Just... <laughs> oh my god! Oh I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, moving on to sand people and dragons and uh, kids' choice awards slime. Yes. Mm. Yum. Nummy. Um, Ruthie, you are very passionate about the Raiders. Um, we all love the Raiders, but Ruthie, do you want to talk about the Raiders? Because I think this is pretty cool. Yes, if love. I go off on a tangent, please stop me. I'm serious. Um, love. actually, go ahead. Love, love is a strong word. I would maybe use the word mm, scared of. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. Um, yeah, uh, Ruthie has always been terrified of the Tuscan Raiders from the time she was a wee lass. Um, I still, I find them so scary. Like, I just like, I don't like looking at their faces. They creep me out. I have nightmares about them. No shame. Like, stop, you guys are so rude. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. They've always freaked me out. I've never liked them, but however, Dodge is right. Um, no, this episode helped me to gain, you know, more of an appreciation for them because we got to see a really intimate side of them. We got to learn more about their culture and their people and see them in a different light. And like I said, like that's one of my favorite things about The Mandalorian so far is how Din's travels have led him to interactions with so many different people and cultures. Um, in Star Wars, and you know, <laughs> can see your mic. <laughs> I'm doing that with Booting my into hands. The frame. <laughs> but we get to learn more about them, and we got to learn more about the Tuscans. And it was also let's talk about um, seeing. It was also really cool to see Din inter- um be able to communicate with them through their sign language and their language of grunts and seagull noises. So let's let's talk Thank about you, Pedro that Pascal bit. for that. I appreciate that. Pedro Pascal did confirmed record those sounds in the studio. Yes. What ma'am. a legend. What did you guys think like, you know, when you were seeing him interact with people? Like, I mean, all I could think about was like, how does he have this skill set? Why does he have it? You know, and it made me wonder a lot about his past. Yeah, for sure. It makes me like wonder like how how much the Mandalorians like taught him because I'm like obviously he learned that somewhere like did he just pick that up from being a bounty hunter or was that like something that the Mandalorians had taught it's also like how much time has he spent on Tatooine you know mm-hmm. are the sand people like totally unique to Tatooine and it's like why would Din spend so much time learning you know this form of communication that's specific to one people on one planet like that I also find interesting so like what is my guy doing on Tatooine so much he's just in it for the milk like (laughs) yeah definitely because like in season one we see the Tuscan Raiders and he communicates Mm -hmm. with them but he only does it through their sign language so this was when he did their grunts or yells or whatever it's called we were all shocked because we have never heard that before. And I don't think we've ever heard a character other than themselves make those noises. So that was pretty cool. It's really interesting to see how Din interacted with them and how much he cared about their culture and was respectful of them. And that just shows like how good of a character Din Djarin is. I think Ruthie said it, but, or like one of you said it, it was the only time we've heard like somebody that wasn't the Raiders like make those sounds. And I was going to say that it didn't sound exactly like Obi-Wan did in A New Hope when he was like, ah, scared them away. I didn't even think about that. This is so not related to the Mandalorian at all. How did Anakin know? 
<laughs> Which of the sand people were the women? <laughs> uh, I don't want to answer that question. Because <laughs> he said that he killed them. The women and children, too. But they all look I the same, I think he just kind of zoomed, assumed them. Maybe their the voices are more high-pitched than the men's. <laughs> their screams. The men are like... <laughs> the women are like... <laughs> they sound more like dolphins. <laughs> Anyways, that's a question we can explore more later. Maybe we'll find out in a later episode. Um, but anyways... Um, where are we at in the storyline? We go. We see that Din is a dog person. We love to see it as he should. Um, then we finally get the epic battle, which was not gonna lie, pretty good. I loved it. Um, I loved the jetpack in particular. Seeing him use that once again was really cool, and this time not being his first time, and he wasn't dying 20 minutes beforehand was really cool because it showed how he like actually knew how to use it which I loved I think it was also really again like another callback to season one with um chapter four is with Omera right yeah um so in chapter four he has Omera's village like help fight um when they're fighting the people I can't remember. Oh, the walkers. I love that. I love that reference because in chapter four, Din was like, <laughs> Din was like, oh, we can't defeat this by ourselves. Like, it's all fine. And then um, Omer was like, well, we got all of us. Like, you can, um, we can help too. And then in this episode, Din's like, yeah, I volunteered your village just because he like assumes that that's like the next <laughs> thing available. Yeah. But I definitely think it was, like, cool to see, like, the village fighting again. So. It's also cool to see, like, people in Star Wars who are so passionate about protecting their homes, you know, and their culture and, like, where they live. Because, I mean, Mos Pelgo was, like, (laughs) what, like, eight buildings in a row? Like, I mean, that town was, like, nothing. So it was a really close-knit community. And then Omara had the you know the farming community that was also really small and we see din help these people who think that they're nobodies in the universe you know discover some ability and importance and i think that's something that's really cool about his character you know the way that he was able to band these people together um and you know show them that they're capable of achieving a common goal um and so yeah like dinjarn for mayor yeah i definitely like think like a lot of what you said also like bases in the fact of like in the movies we definitely like do see like ordinary people fighting and like the resistance and the rebellion but like there's the stakes are so much bigger there and like there's like this huge cosmic goal so getting to see just like regular people fighting for like their town it's like really cool because it's not I mean obviously to them like they do have like in the movies we see the people fighting for the rebellion and it's like that's the whole world to them right like they're fighting for the universe and but in the Mandalorian like these people are fighting for their town and to them their town is their everything too so it's like the stakes are super high for them too we just see it like on the outside as like wow like this is like their whole their whole life and even though we know there's like so much more out in the world yeah it's definitely more relatable that's why i love the mandalorian because it's something that we could relate to these smaller characters that are literally just like i'm gonna protect my city against these guys that are stealing my blue shrimp and my blue shrimp and i relate to that i relate to that rather than i do to you know swinging lightsabers because unfortunately no absolutely real um but yeah very cool i loved i i just love that he volunteered them and i also love during the whole time where he's explaining everything on um, him and Cobb vanth they're <laughs> he's just they're both staring at everyone while they're all like doing the work 
like they're all like digging the explosives and all this stuff and we just hear Dinjarin explaining everything and they're just kind of like sitting in the background they're like you're doing a great job keep going um I love that I thought that was really funny but I also feel like these moments where Din is like helping people to defend their communities and stuff and he's helping these you know average Joes like I feel like it separates him from his profession too you know because like our first impressions of Din in like season one is that he's just this really hard rough and tumble badass you know bounty hunter he is a bounty hunter but I think in the ways that he interacts with these communities we're seeing the way that his relationship with the child is you know molding his personality and um helping him to become more human more vulnerable let his guard down um and i think that's really really cool the way we all thought din was already dead in the first (laughs) when he just went and straight right in (laughs) said go big or go home and we were just like The the funny part is that he was like, take care of my child. And then he like dove into the piece. Yeah. Like, excuse but me. Izzy, also, it was you who made a really good point right after we finished the episode. I think so. And you said the reason they likely included the part of Din getting swallowed up and then coming out and surviving was probably to foreshadow to us that, you know, it was possible that Boba Fett survived. You know, that was literally painting the picture like, you know, if you have this armor and you got this jetpack, you can get out of a monster's mouth, you know, <laughs> like speaking it was setting of us up for that, um, Mr. Boba Fett, um, Izzy, you want to talk about the very end of the episode? My husband has returned from the war. My husband has returned from the war. Just first of all we already like it was already confirmed so like we were just super excited but the fact that it was so like i did not expect him to be back in the first episode i had to like he'll be in like two episodes like in the middle of the season like no big deal like they'll kill him off or they'll have a fight and they'll fight to the death or whatever and din will obviously win because the show is called the mandalorian not the boa fett wins and kills the mandalorian but they the way they've set it up with that last shot of him seeing din on the speeder with his armor and he just his bald head and him turn (laughs) (laughs) what do din and boba fett have in common we can both see our reflections in their heads very nice But, like, you just see him, like, on, like, the horizon with the... Isn't that also the scene that had the two sons? Or am I, like, not remembering right? I don't think we saw the two sons. I don't think we did. But if we did, that would have been a really cool... Yeah. That would have been well. a good shot. They knew it was too powerful. The next too powerful. Episode, it's going to come out. Episode it was going to kill some. It was going to send somebody to the hospital. They put those two yeah. sons in there. I'm... <laughs> um, Boba and didn't fight, though. Like... Oh, if, yeah. If they don't have it... Oh, there's no way they won't. The thing is, it's going to be very interesting how this turns out. Because Din will never give Boba that armor. Because he's not a real Mandalorian. He is going to fight to the death for that armor. And so it's going to be very interesting what happens to Boba. What he does and what they fight. Because I feel like Din cannot lose because it is his show or whatever. But I also feel like... Boba cannot lose because he's just iconic. And if he does lose, Disney's going to lose a lot of money on Tories. So there's no way that he is going to lose, but there's no way that he's going to walk away without his armor. So it's going to be interesting. Maybe, I don't know, Boba somehow convincing, convinces Din that he's a Mandalorian, that he has some past, that some Mandalorians take off their helmet. Like, it's going to be very interesting to see how that goes down. There is a lot of room for conflict between Din Mm -hmm. and Boba that goes beyond the armor because when we think about it it's like okay Boba Fett was doing work for the empire that was led by a Sith Lord and Din is currently protecting 
a obvious potential Jedi. So we kind of have, and this is an assumption, but you know, later in the season, we could learn that we have a pro Jedi Mandalorian and a pro Sith Mandalorian, you know, one who has an understanding of the negative side of the force and one who's only seen the positive side. It's like, what is that going to play out like? You know what I just realized? What? Boba and the child are both clones. Well, and are we can are we confirmed? That's it's not confirmed, but a lot of people infer that he is a clone. Especially, um, I know that you guys just like discovered <laughs> this today, but um, in season one, the doctor or whatever from, uh, like when the client has the child and then goes to steal the child back he um the doctor that's in there on his uniform he has the uh kaminoan uh emblem on his sleeve which is where the clones for the clone wars were made yeah maybe oh my gosh what if what if boba tells him where the child was created or like where he was brought out in exchange for the armor what if that's how they like maybe that's his way of like stepping forward in his story and leaving boba so like are is that what everyone here thinks is that the child is a clone of yoda i think that no i think the child in and of itself like is an organic creature but i think that the reason there's a bounty on him and the reason they want the child the client had the child in the first place is because they know the power that he holds because of how the empire turned even though the empire is gone but how the empire would like torture like jedi and turn them like to the dark side of the force maybe they plan on doing something like that or maybe like harnessing his like force power or maybe they want to clone him and baby yoda army Oh my god. <laughs> well, I definitely think that they know how powerful Yoda was, and that's why they want the child in any form, is because they know that he's probably as powerful, if not more, than Yoda. Um, so whether that's for cloning purposes or just to use the child as himself, I definitely think that's why they're going after him. Yeah, what if this doctor, you know from Camino is like you know a good guy gone bad and you know he's just like he's like a quack now and he's doing like you know really unethical science Interesting. yeah I mean it's definitely obviously he's working for the client who is from the empire so who's now dead. so not- weird i want to know more about those characters i want to know more about the doctor character i want to know more about the client and i hope that they make a reappearance speaking of clones um how do you we think that ahsoka is going to react to seeing boba yeah well that's assuming they cross paths i don't think I want her to be like, oh my gosh, Rex, is that you? Because that would be iconic. And then we can reference Rex in The Mandalorian. But I also feel like she wouldn't do that because last time she saw Rex, he was very old. And Boba is not old looking. So she'll definitely recognize that it's a clone. But I think she will get a little sentimental because it reminds her of her past. Yeah. I mean, that will definitely be interesting to see. If they do cross paths, there's going to be a lot of characters this season. So seeing how all of that is intertwined, the confirmed list of people making appearances this season is so long and kind of overwhelming to think about how they're going to incorporate all of that into just one season, Um, which goes back to what we were saying, hoping that the show does keep its main focus on Din and the child. In this season, we also get to see Din, um, Kara, and Grief Cargo become more of a trio, it looks like, from the trailers. Um, yes. So, you know, we're kind of continuing the 
the classic Star Wars trope of having our trios because we have our Luke, Leia, and Han, we have our Ray, Finn, and Poe, and now we've got our Din, Cara, and Grief. And it's like, all right. <laughs> the iconic trio. I wonder if the next episode is going to be on Tatooine still. Um, or if Boba, like, goes and chases him somewhere else. But the thing is, is, like, I feel like Boba could have easily taken his armor back from Cobb Vanth if he wanted to. So why didn't he? And so why it is, like, what, like, what was the reason why he waited so long for that? Boba True. was probably on Tatooine because he was looking for Cobb Vanth. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if he had but, a word that his armor was on Tatooine, you know, but he still, died on and in the position of the Jawas. Okay, so like, I want to know, like, okay, did he like how quickly did he crawl out of the Sarlacc? Where has he been since then? Is he returning to Tatooine, or did he like just wake up? Like, I'm making the assumption that like he's been alive and traveling for a while, so I have no idea. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about like. Had he been on Tatooine or was he just coming back? Because, I mean, I don't know. I, that's uh, – I guess we'll find out. I'm sure he will explain when we'll Din meets him. But, yeah, we'll get, like, flashbacks probably. we love to see it. I have no idea, like, how long he would have been alive. I mean, okay, so he do – you, do, you do you guys think if they do flashbacks, they're going to put Daniel Logan in the suit? Yo, he's old though. <laughs> he's like he would be, he's got Daniel be. Logan. He would be the age that Boba would have been in flashbacks. He wouldn't because he played child Boba. Yeah. So it's yeah. been what twenty years since the prequels came out, ish. Yeah, so but he would still be pretty young. Thirty. Yeah. But how old was Boba in the originals? No idea. Hmm. Well, probably. 30 right because he was a kid in the prequels and the and the but, originals are 20 years after or 19 yeah but also years. it's it's going to be hard for them to transition from a teenager to um the adult boba because they don't look alike True. especially because one's bald so that kind of <laughs> i goes think downhill. i feel like they probably just um use like cgi to like age him, like unage yeah unage him pull an rdj to youth him yeah yeah make him look younger uh i mean tomorrow morrison doesn't look like super old oh yeah so Looks great. i obviously obviously they whatever he's bald but did you notice he had some scars too yes yeah those are like interesting teeth will get you <laughs> beware <laughs> kids all right, before we wrap up the episode, do we have any more, like, final predictions for the remainder of the season we want to close with or for Chapter 10? Any expectations? I think Din loses the child at some point this season. I agree. I agree. I mean, Dodge pointed out one time to us that he's been super careless with the child. Um, and he's left him in the speeder bike alone. Um, he leaves him alone on many occasions. And, you know, this arguably could be because he's seen him use the force now. He understands the power he has and he thinks the child has the ability <laughs> to protect himself. But still, like, I feel like Din's getting way too comfortable with that. Yeah, he's learning, and it will cause his child to be kidnapped, but he'll learn. He'll learn, and it's fine. I do want, before he gets kidnapped, I do want another Din Child moment because I'm here for that. I love the duo. We did see, like, some moments in this episode, but I'm excited to see that episode. Where I'm sure we will. We're seeing know, it's Din coming get up. more fatherly, like, oh, with every see. minute of the show. <laughs> mm hmm I love it. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for watching. We really appreciate you guys um, watching or listening and both at the same time. That's great. Um, Thank you so much. We appreciate you so much. Thank you again to Michael for being our number one supporter in this. We love you. Um, And tune in next week and we will have some... Yes, Ruthie. Yes, Ruthie. Also... 
if you enjoyed our chat today, be sure to share this podcast with your Star Wars loving friends. Um, we'd love to reach a larger audience beyond Twitter um, and reach people of all ages. So yeah, if you enjoyed what we had to say, uh, we'd really appreciate if you would pass us along. Um, and if, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to our channel so you can get all our future podcasts, like the video, comment what your favorite part of the new episode of The Mandalorian was and what your predictions are for the rest of season two. Um, and if you're listening on Spotify or any other streaming um, podcast listening situation, <laughs> make sure to like or subscribe or however those things work. Don't know. Don't listen on there. <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys May next May the force week. be with you. Bye. This is the way. Bye. <laughs> this is the way.